Happy Father's Day, everybody. How you doing? Uh, okay, you're not awake. All right, great. We're in Titus today. Titus is a little book kind of toward the end of the New Testament. If you want to find your way there, it's not long, and we're going to be looking at a couple of verses. Father's Day is a great day, by the way. We do a giveaway on Mother's Day and Father's Day. Mother's Day, uh, typically we give like a rose out and that kind of thing, and we did that um, last Mother's Day. I forgot to tell you that, so t- today, because fathers are very special, we're going to give a gift now, somebody saw me with this and said, man, it's been a rough morning. Uh, no, it's a root beer. It's a root beer. It's a root beer. And so on the way out, we're going to give a, a pop for pops. So <laughs> it's clever. Uh, if you like it, it was my idea. And if not, I think it was Robin's. Uh, so um, uh, a pop for pops. And when you go out, they're out there. They're going to be iced down. It's going to be awesome. So you can get uh, uh, IBC root beer. And I think we have Coca-Cola. So you got two options um, that's all you need in any, anything in life. Two options. So that, there you go. And I made the announcement, so now I don't forget it. Fathers sometimes, um, or manhood sometimes is a little tough, and all the ladies are rolling their eyes. And, I, I know, I know. So recently I was looking at uh, going to a conference. I like to go to conferences. I learn things. I'm trying to learn all the time. And, and this conference was for men, and I thought, man, that would be good. It would be something that maybe I can take back and share. And then I began to look at... In fact, it was called Man College. I'm like, well, that's, that's super cool. Then I began to look at the, uh, the class offerings, and I'm fairly certain these were designed by women. Now, see if you think the same thing. Uh, toilet paper rolls, do they replace themselves? I, I, I don't know. I think that might be a woman's thing. The difference between the laundry basket and the floor. Now, you know, come on, that, that seems rough. Learning how to find things on your own. I mean, that's sort of... That, that some lady certainly designed that. Real men ask for directions. See, that's not even true. So uh, there's that. Uh, is it genetically uh, possible to sit quietly as she drives? Men, what's the answer? No, thank you. All right. Uh, empty milk cartons, do they belong in the fridge or in the garbage can? Uh, that's another one I think ladies might have designed. Living with adults, basic difference between your mother and your spouse. Oh, my word. Horrible. How to be the ideal shopping companion. Relaxation exercises. Yeah, uh, it's called a tranquilizer, I think. I don't know how many more I have of these. Oh, maybe one more. Uh, Remembering important dates and calling when you're going to be late and then getting over it. So um, men, uh, we take it on the chin a lot, but here's the good news. God has a plan for us. Now, there's this super interesting text in Titus. I was thinking about this on the way to church. It's funny. Uh, I, I want you to know I really do prepare in advance, but on the way to church every Sunday, it's as if I have this conversation with God, and it's like, God, what do you, th- you know, is there anything other than what we've already prepared that you'd like me to say? And he made this point, or at least in my mind, I, I kind of started to think, the book of Titus is written by a guy named Paul. Let me do the background for you just real quickly. Paul was a guy who hated Christians until he met Christ. And then he loved Christians because he became a Christian. It's kind of interesting how that worked. He had an encounter with Jesus that literally knocked him uh, on his seat. And it's called the Road to Damascus, and you can read about it. And and Paul was heading to a town called Damascus uh, with orders to persecute Christians. And on the road, he saw a bright light, and Jesus talked to him and said, Why are you persecuting me? And Paul 
had this drastic conversion. And he goes from being a, Christ, a Christian hater and a Christ hater to a Christian uh, himself and, uh, and lover of Christ. And his life is transformed. He begins to study the scriptures. Now all he had, obviously, was the Old Testament. And he began to see Jesus in the Old Testament. And because of that, he began to plant churches. And he planted them in different towns. And we have letters that he wrote back to these towns. And so the book of Galatians is a letter that Paul wrote to a church in Galatia that he had planted. And Colossians, same thing. It's a letter back to a church he had planted in a town called Colossae. And so Philippians is the same. Uh, The Thessalonian letters are the same. The Corinthian letters are the same. These are letters that Paul wrote back to these churches that he had planted because he loved them so much. Now, you, you may not realize this. I mean, I don't know how churched you are. Different churches have different personalities, and sometimes a church is is easy to to work in, and sometimes it's not. And I love our church. I love Freedom. I think it's a great place, and it's, I go and I meet other pastors, and they're dealing with lots of struggles and difficulties and that kind of thing, and I I just thank God that I get to work here because I love this church. But not all churches are like ours, and it was the same from the beginning of church. And so Paul would plant these churches, and some of these churches would have difficulties. Now here's kind of the process. Paul would go into a town, he would find some people, he would talk to them about becoming a follower of Jesus. They would. He would establish some leadership in these churches, some elders and some leaders, and then he would leave the church and go to the next place to start a new church. And this church sort of was now responsible to, I don't know, fend for themselves isn't kind of the right thing, but, but to grow and, and to, de- to develop and mature. And he would write letters back. Now if you've ever read the Corinthian letters, the Corinthian letters, uh, Corinth was a, a pretty wild place. And Corinth would, would be like planting a church in Vegas or planting a church in you know, New Orleans during Mardi Gras. They were, it, it was a pretty wild, licentious place. And so what was happening in Corinth was the world was kind of getting back into the church, or, or the people never really got out of the world, and they were bringing some of these... I mean, they, were, they did some really awful things as Christ followers. And so Paul writes them and says, Hey guys, remember who you are. It's really important. You know, you're followers of Jesus. You live a certain way, and you, you do certain things, and you don't do certain things. And we can say the same thing today. So anytime Paul left a place and had to send somebody back to take one of these letters to a place that was kind of rough, like Corinth, he had two guys he would send. Timothy, we know Timothy, and he had, there are two letters to him in the New Testament, First and Second Timothy, and a guy named Titus. Now, the way I read it and the way I study it and the way it looks to me is Timothy was the guy that went to a place that wasn't too bad. Titus was your boy that you wanted on the spot if you had a problem. He, 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 he was uh, a fixer. He was strong, and, and he could just go places that other people, Paul wouldn't send, because he had this ability. He was kind of a troubleshooter. And so, in the book of Titus, Paul is sending, has sent Titus to a, a town called Crete. And and Crete was a little rough as well. Look at what it says about Crete. One of Crete's own prophets has said, Cretans, 
are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. <laughs> Yikes. I mean, sounds like Spartanburg. Uh, so, um, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I almost said Marietta. Anyway, uh, anyway, anyway, just teasing, just teasing. Um, Tennessee? Uh, can we go? With I have people in Tennessee. Um, Oregon. Uh, uh, oh, nobody's from Oregon. Okay. So, are you, is anybody from Oregon? I mean, really don't want to get anybody mad. So, h- here it is. I mean, what a reputation. Uh, just think about it. Our reputation, we're always liars, we're evil brutes, and we're lazy gluttons. And that was their own people saying it. I mean, it's not like somebody made that up. And so, here's the reputation of, of this entire community. Uh, and, and, I mean, if you're always lying and you're evil, the evil brute part, so we understand always lying. Evil brutes kind of means they're rebellious and it's that nobody's going to tell us what to do stuff. And then lazy gluttons, that, that's the language of people who are trying to make a quick score and not work hard. That would be, you know, like I'm going to um, have a heist. I'm going to make a heist or I'm going to, gamble and hope I strike it right or that kind of thing. And so that was the notion around this particular community. And you all, we all understand the idea of reputation. We all understand it. I mean, the Bible talks about it a lot that, uh, you know, a person's, uh, your, your name is more valuable than silver and gold, it says in Scripture. I mean, it's important to have a good reputation that your character follows you wherever you go. Now, I had an amazing dad growing up, and I know not everybody has that advantage, and if you didn't have that advantage, I'm sorry. I I had a great dad. He was a a Christian. My dad was a truck driver. He was a hard worker. He instilled in me a work ethic, and I appreciate him. I I think about him all the time. He's been dead about 15, 16 years. I think about him all the time. He said stuff that I still think about. He had these little axioms about life, and, and I apply those to just situations all the time. I think about him all the time. But my dad was an interesting cat, and he wasn't perfect. I mean, by, uh, I'll talk to my mother today, and, and if anybody knows he wasn't perfect, it's us who are his kids and, and my mother, but he was a great man. But, but my dad one time needed his knees replaced. He was a truck driver, and his knees got worn out, and so he decided that he was going to have them both replaced at the same time. So, you know what that's called? <laughs> Stupid. Uh, and so uh, he decided, here was his thinking on this. He said, I only want to hurt this bad once. So he just did it once, which was really dumb. And the doctor tried to talk him out of it. And so after the fact, after he had done that, he knew it was a mistake. And so to rehab, uh, my mom and my dad joined this health club that's in our town. And they did water aerobics because that's gentle on your joints and that kind of thing. And mom and dad would go to water aerobics. And they'd meet people, you know, other people doing water aerobics. <laughs> and one time, they were at Cracker Barrel, because that's all you do. In, in Danville, Kentucky, there was a Cracker Barrel, and they went to Cracker Barrel. And they were, <laughs> they were having dinner. That's my dad and my mom and the preacher and his wife, okay? And this lady from water aerobics comes up to their table and says, Lawrence, I didn't recognize you with your clothes on. And they quit the health club uh, right after that. It was like the last thing. <laughs> because our reputations are important. Okay, so here you have um, this 
church. And the people in the church kind of look just like the people not in the church. And that shouldn't be. And so Paul writes this letter to this young man named Titus, and he instructs him. Now, what's really interesting to me is this. Look at at it, and then we'll talk about it. Uh, As for you, Titus, this young man, young leader, probably in his 20s or 30s, as for you, Titus, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. Teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect, and to live wisely. They, sh- they must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. Now, I'm going to show you the, a couple more verses, but, but time out just for a second, because I, I don't have this in my notes, but this is something that I, I thought the Lord was talking to me today. It is really interesting to watch grand, the difference between a granddad and a dad. Have, you ever, have, you ever, have any of you seen grandfathers? What they, how they are with their grandbabies? What happened to them, right? Because as parents, they might have been mean and harsh and that kind of thing. Boys, grandparents, granddads, granddaddies are insanely in love with their grandkids. I mean, you can see it. A grandkid walks up, and the granddad, it's like there is a switch that you turn on inside. They light up. They, they'll give those kids anything. That kid could say, uh, I, wanna, I want one of those Frosties, and it's like 11.45, and you know that you're not supposed to have it, and they'll, the granddad will sneak over and, and hide it and feed it to the kid, because that's, that's what granddads do. There's this level of affection that they have for their grandkids that often they don't have for their kids. Now, they love their kids, but in the midst of child-rearing and in the midst of being a dad to kids, a lot of times, just let's just be honest, we get busy, and we're, we're hustling, and we're trying to make a living, and there's stress, and there's stress in making a living, because you have deadlines, and you have people you have to work with, and you have to please folks, and you have customers, or you have bosses, or whatever, I mean, everybody has somebody, and at times, the most important thing becomes, I have to be a provider, we get that. But sometimes that's to the detriment of, I'm a dad. Because providing sort of takes precedent. And I, I'm a dad, I understand that. You know, uh, Elise uh, is 11, and I'm 56. So she came along late in life. We, we, we joke. Uh, we heard that grandkids were so great, we just cut out the middleman. Uh, we kind of had our own. And um, there's an interesting text um, Jacob had 12 sons, right? And he had Joseph late in life uh, and Benjamin. And it says about his relationship with one of them, I think it was Joseph It talks about this, but it says something to the effect of um, because he was born to him in his old age, he had this different level of affection. I, I think Paul writes to the older men first to say, guys, you, you know, right? You know. You, you know that you wish you had focused more on your kids. You, you know this, right? Why don't you help, help the younger men? Because this is what he says to the young guys. In the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely. Let me back, go back. Titus, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. Teach the older men to exercise self-control. We're going to talk about these. To be worthy of respect, to live wisely. 
In the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely. And you yourself must be an example. And so, we understand this, that what we have to do is we have to begin to see ourselves. I talked about this last week. When I begin to see myself as a saint instead of just a sinner, that I'm, I'm on the team, and uh, it makes a difference when you're on the team. I mean, when you wear the jersey, it changes things. If you've ever been on a team, you don't even have to get in the game. You wear the jersey, you're on the team. When I was in high school, the guys that were on the football team, they would wear, and I wasn't. Coach, where are you at? Uh, I, well, I, didn't, I didn't make the team because I didn't go out. Uh, it's that whole hitting thing. That whole hitting thing. I, I'm a basketball guy. So, uh, um, so th- there, there was, the, the guys would wear their jerseys on Friday to school. You know, they all something, you know, wearing their jerseys to school. And the girls were all swoony, you know, all swoony. And I know, I know for a fact, some of those guys, after the game, they get in the game. I, I, did, I did do the chains. Uh, I, I coach, I was the chain gang. That was awesome. The chains are awesome because you're on the opposing team sideline. And if you time it right, if there's somebody coming, you can drop it and hit people. Uh, that's great. That's great as a, as a chain guy. Uh, y'all know what I'm talking about? The chain guy, the guy that holds the chain on the sideline? It doesn't matter. Okay. Um, there are guys that are on the team, didn't even get in the game, but they'd rub dirt. you know. Because when you're on the team, man, you're, you're still on the team. You get to wear your jersey. Well, when the Bible calls us saints, calls us saints, he, he, we're on the team. We get to wear the jersey. We don't always, we don't always make a huge contribution. It doesn't matter. I love that Scripture calls us saints because now you live up to the reputation of who you are. You are somebody because you're on the team. And so I think what, what Paul is saying here is focus. You have to stay focused. Now, this is an incredibly sophisticated crowd. I understand that. I mean, you all are from South Carolina, most of you, and I know how sophisticated you are. How many of you are watching the FIFA World Cup? That's three people. <laughs> it's soccer, or as we Europeans call it, football, right? Hey, um, Vlad, are you watching? Yeah. Vlad's watching. Okay, good. He's, he's a foreigner. Uh, he's watching. <laughs> it's awesome, isn't it? It's, a, it's, a, it's the greatest show on earth. It's soccer. It's soccer. Now, uh, Elise plays soccer. Here's the thing about soccer. Oh, I need my pointer. I need my pointer. Oh, sh- nah. Okay. There we go. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Got it. This illustration, this is a great illustration. I, if I say so myself. Uh, it's great. Okay, in soccer, the goal, pardon the pun, is to get the soccer ball past the goalie, right? Y'all know this much about soccer, right? Please tell me. You know this much, right? Okay, you know that. Okay. Now, I've attended a lot of soccer games with kids because I have kids and they play soccer. At least play soccer, that kind of thing. The funniest thing about kids 11, 12, 13 years old and younger is when they're about to score, they kick the ball toward the goal. You know who they kick it to? The goalie. You want to know why? Because they're looking at the goalie. The ball goes most of the time where you're looking. So coaches of soccer will tell them, look at the upper corners, look at the lower corners. 
Stay focused on scoring the goal. You have to get your focus on the right thing. And that's what Paul was saying in this text. Focus on the right thing. So let's talk about how we focus on the right thing. What does God expect? Number one, he expects us as men and women, by the way, for our faith to shape our behavior. Because I believe something will dictate what I do. So he says, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. My faith is to determine what I do. James Allen, a great, uh, a, a great author, said, As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. When we focus on the right things, on the upper corners, when we focus on scoring, then we're not focused on the one thing that can trip us up. Right? Look at what it says in Philippians. Brothers and sisters, fill your minds with beauty and truth. Meditate on whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, whatever is virtuous and praiseworthy. That's a cool text. Focus on the right things. I heard this cute little story. Um, this young mother, first baby, right? This young mother comes in, sees the dad, kind of... He's in, the, he's in the nursery there, and he, he's looking down at his little baby in the crib. She just sort of watches him, right? It's kind of one of those moments where she catches him just watching, looking. And he has this mixture of emotions. It's like you kind of see it on his face, disbelief and delight. And he kind of frowns. And it's like he goes through this litany of, of emotions as he's looking down this baby in this crib and Man, she, this moves her, right? She gets kind of puddly under her eyes a little bit. She sneaks up behind him, kind of grabs him around the waist. We, ladies, we like that. And she says, penny for your thoughts. Guys, you want to know why they say that? Because that's about all they're worth. Uh, penny for your thoughts, you know. And that's sweet. And he said, I, I just don't understand. And she said, oh, honey, what don't you understand? And he said, I, I can't, I don't understand how they can make a crib like that for $49.95. I don't, I don't understand it. I just don't understand it. Wrong focus. Okay, that's wrong focus. So, in Romans 12, Romans is a, a great book. It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Now, he, gives us, he tells us how. I mean, that's one thing to give you instruction. How do you do it? Be transformed by the renewing of how you think. Think about different things. Then you'll be able to test and approve God's, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. You have to start thinking. You have to start focusing, Paul said, on wholesome teaching. Now, it is really, really, really easy to get unwholesome teaching. <laughs> it's everywhere. Get on your phone right now. Get on Twitter. I mean, you can get, you know, look at your uh, news feeds. There's unwholesome teaching all over the place. It's every place. So you have to stay focused. And This is the coolest verse. You're transformed by what you think about. That's why he says, basically, let your faith you know, look at your Bible every now and then. Study your Bible. This is a good way to get truth. That truth will, will get into your mind and into your heart, and then you'll live it out. What the Bible says is true. You have to focus on wholesome teaching. So number one, your faith is to shape 
what you believe. The second thing he talks about is that our, uh, our behavior should be controlled. We have to control ourselves. And it's interesting to me that he talks to older men first. Hey, guys, you, you, we're going to be examples. By the way, when this text was written in older, when he said older men, he's talking about 40-year-olds. You know, He's not talking about guys my age. He's talking about 40-year-olds. Because by then, the kids had moved out of the house, and that's kind of how it worked back then. I read this super cool article the other day about a retired man and what he's doing with his life, and this is what he writes. I'm often asked what I do to make my days interesting now that I'm retired, he says. Well, for example, the other day I went downtown. I went to a store. I was only in there about five minutes. When I came out, there was a cop writing me a parking ticket. I went to him, and I said, come on, man. How about giving a retired person a break? He ignored me and continued writing the ticket. So I called him an overpaid sissy boy. He glared at me and started writing another ticket for having worn tires. So I called him a member of the donut-eating Gestapo. He finished the second ticket, put it on the windshield, and started writing a third ticket. Then he, <laughs> This went on for about 20 minutes. The more I abused him, the more tickets he wrote. Personally, I didn't care. That wasn't even my car. <clears throat> I try to have a little fun now that I'm retired. Now, see, that's the wrong, that's the negative approach. Wrong way to handle it. Okay, so look what it says. Teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect, to live wisely. Um, living lives worthy of the respect. Jesus, when he invited people to follow him, he said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you, you know what the rest of it says? I'll give you what? Rest. I'll, I'll give you rest. For my burden is easy and my yoke is light. And, and honestly, Christianity doesn't always feel light. I think we make it harder than it has to be. When, when he's talking about here, live a life worthy of respect, you know what that means. There's certain things you do, certain things you don't do. And so, if you want to live a life worthy of respect, you do the things you know are right, you avoid the things you don't know are right. Really, that's not that complicated. It, it is pretty easy if you think about it. And so, we live in this, we can, we can live in this freedom, this lightness, freedom from guilt, freedom from um, punishment, Freedom from uh, going with the flow. I don't want to be like everybody else. I don't have to be like everybody else. There's freedom in Jesus. When he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. I mean, some of us just need to get off of the train everybody else is on. Live counter-culturally. We live in a society of addictions. There's a lady by the name of Jane Velez Mitchell. She wrote a book called... Addiction Nation. Here are the top ten things people are addicted to. Well, I don't know where this came from. I'm going to leave it. Uh, prescription drugs. The number two killer of people in America today, prescription drugs, right after um, um, car accidents. Uh, cigarettes and alcohol and porn, my goodness. Nearly one out of four Internet searches today are for pornography. One out of four. That's not just men. That's total. That, that's unbelievable. That is an epidemic. This, as, a, as a father of women, as a father of daughters, 
this troubles me because my daughters are precious gifts from God. They uh, deserve respect. They deserve not to be treated as an object. Pornography objectifies people. People will say, well, it's, it's, a, it's a, something that doesn't hurt anybody. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. Creates in especially young men ideas about what women are and who they are and what they're to do. And it doesn't, there's no respect there. That bothers me. Gambling, fast food. Now I've got, got off preaching meddling. Uh, there's a shopping. My, uh, Americans are, we, we are 5% of the population of the planet, and we're, uh, I think, about 33% of consumers of the con- consumption. Technology, that one's really bad. I mean, you, you understand the, the addiction to technology. Um, you, if you don't understand it, uh, lose your phone for a day. Do without your phone. Turn your phone off for a day. See if you can do it, just for a day. Uh, get away from a computer and, and Wi-Fi. Go to a place there's no Wi-Fi for a day. Uh, you'll, you're, you'll lose your mind. Um, TV and gossip, these are the things that are most addictive in America. And so... People will say, well, I just can't change. Well, yeah, anybody can change. You can change. Change is possible. And anybody that's ever recovered from addiction will tell you they felt like a slave. Oh, that's why I had that text up. Oh, now it makes sense. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And sin will enslave us. That's not free. Who... When Jesus said, I want you to be free, it's free from that. Okay, free from these things. All right. This next, he expects us to lead by example. Be an example. He was talking to Titus at this point. Be an example to them by doing good deeds of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. You lead by example because um, good behavior is often more caught than taught, right? The other day I was at Chick-fil-A, I love Chick-fil-A, and I was at Chick-fil-A and I was kind of sitting there and, and I overheard a conversation. This lady and her daughter, uh, were kind, we were kind of way, way back, you know, the counter was up there and then we were over here, and I overheard the conversation and she said to her daughter, take my cup up and uh, get me a refill. She must have been from South Carolina. Uh, get me a refill. And now, be sure to say please and thank you. Please and thank you. And the little girl said, okay, mama, okay. So she walks, <laughs> she walks to the counter, <laughs> which is way away, away. And then she looks back at her mom and says, mama, you want Diet Coke or Diet Dr. Pepper? <laughs> which I'm thinking at this point the mom is going to say, come here. We don't yell in the restaurant. You know what she did? She said, Diet Dr. Pepper. Now, That's why he says, be an example. So, we have to remember that we're always being an example, right? This is how it works. Look what it says in Ephesians. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, they are not. They're not for us. They're just not who we are. 
And then the last thing God expects from us is to be authentic. Let your teaching be so correct that it, will, it can't be criticized. And then those who want to argue will be ashamed because they won't have anything bad to say about you. I read a, a cool little story in Esquire magazine, because I read that all the time. Uh, and uh, it was, what's the, the title of the article was, What's the Best Thing Your Father Has Ever Taught You? And this one, this was just such a cool story. 23-year-old young man, he, write, he writes this. I was pitching in a little league championship when our defense collapsed, allowing eight runs in one inning. I threw my glove and I shouted to my team, You guys stink. My dad heard and made me call every player to apologize. I'd have rather have been grounded for a year than to make 11 humiliating phone calls. But I had a dad who made me. I think that is a super cool story. We're about to enter hurricane season, right? Now, the funniest thing about hurricane season, I know there's nothing funny about hurricane season, but there, the one thing funny about hurricane season, let me put it that way, is they send reporters where the hurricane is going to strike. Who wants that job? I mean, really, seriously, that's just a stupid job. But they're on the beach. They're always on the beach, right? They're on the beach, and they have a microphone, and this is what you hear. Because that's all you hear, right? Because it's blowing 900 miles an hour. They have a microphone. They're on the beach, and what are they doing? This is about as far as I can go, right here. Uh, they're, they're leaning in because the wind's buffeting them, right? <laughs> and, it, I mean, you can, if you're on the beach, what, what else is on the beach besides wind? Does anybody know? Sand, right. They're getting sandblasted, basically, with a microphone while it's going, and that's all you hear. When I see that picture, and it's coming because every, every hurricane, it could be a hurricane <laughs> like in Pennsylvania. And they're going to go. They, they never miss a hurricane. Has there ever been a hurricane in Pennsylvania? Let's look that up later. Okay. Uh, don't Google it now. I'm sure, you, I'm sure somebody is doing that. Um, I like the, the visual of that because it feels a little bit, looks a little bit like leaning into a culture that is vastly, quickly becoming anti-Christian. The, the winds of change are upon us, and they're not good in lots of ways. So we get to lean in against the winds of change. We get to hold fast to Scripture, to right teaching, and, and we get to lead by example. We get to be authentic. We're going to let what we believe dictate what we do. We're going to set a course, and we're going to show our family, our neighbors, our community. This is what we stand on. This is what we believe. And we're not going back down from that just because you don't agree with us. We're going to be nice about it. We're going to speak the truth. We're going to speak it in love. It's like the hurricane is coming. We just need to do some leaning in to God's Word. Fathers, it is a great privilege to speak to you today, and it's a great privilege to be a dad. One of the greatest things ever is to be a dad because we have the opportunity to impact the next generations. Super cool. I'm going to pray a blessing on us. Lord, thank you for our time together. Thank you for the opportunity that those of us who are dads have to influence others. 
Lord, help us to do it well. Help us to lead by example. Help us to follow you closely. Help us to love you uh, deeply. Help us to be great husbands and great fathers. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.